Almighty God, as we ponder our Savior's birth, point us to the manger where the Word is made flesh for us and for our salvation. In the name of Christ, we pray, amen. One of my favorite television programs, probably one of my few favorites, is the Antiques Roadshow on PBS. And uh, if you're familiar with it, it's uh, people who maybe have had something passed down to them from previous generations, or maybe they've found something in the attic, or maybe something in the trash, and they discover that it has more value than they could have imagined. I remember not long ago a segment which featured a man who brought in a pocket watch one day. It was a nice looking watch, but the man valued it mostly for its sentimental value. It had belonged to his great grandfather and had been handed down to him. The appraiser began to show the man some unique features about this particular watch of which the owner had not been aware. Then the appraiser asked him, have you ever had an appraisal done for this watch? The owner replied, well, a guy once told me it might be worth six or $7,000. The roadshow appraiser replied, that was a bit low. For this pocket watch, I would give an, au an auction estimate of a quarter of a million dollars. The appraiser then told the owner, this is one incredible watch. It's the finest watch I've ever held in my hands. I've only seen watches like this in pictures. Put it in a safe deposit box and don't drop it. Many of the items on Antiques Roadshow don't look important or valuable. It's not until someone explains to them some unique quality about that item that you begin to see it differently and you begin to understand its value. Several years ago, I read the story of a woman in New York City who found a painting someone had thrown in a trash can. It's trash can on a sidewalk in New York, and there's this painting. It was a modern art painting with splotches of color on a canvas. It turned out to be worth a million dollars at auction. Now, if I had seen that picture in the trash can, I would not have given it a second thought. I would have walked on by. By looking at it, you could not perceive its value. Some years ago, I was visiting Germany, and I was in the city of Aachen, visiting the Aachen Cathedral. And there in the cathedral is a stone chair. It's about three feet square and about four feet high. It looks unimpressive. It's just a few dingy-looking marble slabs 
held together with some bronze straps. There's no decoration or ornamentation on it. It's a very plain stone chair. Then our cathedral guide said this. He said, this stone chair was built in the 790s. Now that's not 1790s, that's the 790s. And it is the throne of the Emperor Charlemagne, the first Holy Roman Emperor. And on this throne, every king of Germany since Charlemagne has been crowned. And he pointed at the chair and he said, that is where Europe began. Now, if you had merely laid eyes on this chair, you wouldn't think much of it. You would walk by it without giving it much thought. You might think, oh, there's something that looks kind of old. It's only when someone tells you what it really is that you begin to see it differently. My friends, it is very hard on the basis of eyesight alone to know the value of anything. It's only when you hear to whom it belonged, it's only when you hear what it does or what it did that any value can be attached to it. That's true in all of life, and it's true in the spiritual realm also. If you want to understand what God is doing, you cannot rely on what you see. You can only rely on what you hear. Someone must tell you or inform you about what it is you're looking at. I've heard it said this way. If you want to understand what God is doing, put your eyes where your ears are. You must learn to see and to judge value and worth by what you hear. Our gospel reading for this evening from Luke chapter 2, verse 20. We read this. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Note my emphasis on the hearing and the telling. Seeing by itself would not have told them anything about the Christ child. This infant Christ did not look any different from any other male child. If there had been a lineup of babies and you had been asked to pick which one is the Christ, you would not have been able to tell the one from the other. And you certainly would not have picked the one lying in a feeding trough, an animal feeding trough. That's what a manger is. No one puts infants in a feeding trough unless there is no other place to lay the child. Human reason would not have picked out that child as important. Visual sense alone would have told you nothing about him. The shepherds would not have been able to identify the Christ without being told this. You'll find him wrapped in cloths and lying 
in a manger. And it's the last point that is the sign. Other children would be wrapped in claws. Other children would be swaddled. But this one lies in a feeding trough. That's the pointer. That's the sign. And it really harkens back to the prophet Isaiah, who opens his book with these words. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, and the donkey its owner's manger. Now, that verse is why you will find at nativity scenes an ox and a donkey. It's based on Isaiah 1, verse 3. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah's point is this. Animals know what they need to be safe and secure, but sinful people like ourselves often have no clue. We can see something and walk right by without knowing the significance of it. It's not until we hear of its importance, and sometimes we have to hear again and again, that we finally attach some value to it. We read in Luke 2, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. My friends, it's not seeing the child that made the people wonder about him. It's what they heard about him that caused the wonder. That is what the scripture means when it reads, we walk by faith, not by sight. The same Christ comes to us today in ways that are very nondescript, very undistinguished. He comes in water and in words. He comes in bread and in wine. And we count these things of little value because they do not appear to be anything special to us. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever hears you, hears me. When Christ ministers, faithfully explain the word of God to us, we are hearing Christ himself. It may not appear so, but that's what Jesus himself says. The same is true of baptism. Some Christians refer to it as nothing more than an outward sign of an inward change. But nothing could be further from the truth. God in his word never speaks of baptism as an outward sign of an inward change. St. Paul describes baptism as the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaks of baptism as being born from above by water and spirit. Peter writes, baptism now saves you. 
eyesight alone would never tell you that. So when you observe a baptism, how do you know what it is you're looking at unless someone tells you what it is you're seeing? You must put your eyes where your ears are. We walk by faith in what God says, not by sight. The same is true of the Lord's Supper. We see bread and wine, but is that all there is? Hear the word of the Lord. This is my body. This is my blood. The same body and blood given and shed for you at the cross is present in this humble meal. And it's given you for the forgiveness of your sins, no less. That is the reality of the supper which you do not see. You've got to put your eyes where your ears are if you want to know the truth about what God is doing. My friends, Christ comes to us today as he came to us 2,000 years ago, and even more so, but you would never understand that by sight alone, even as you would not have known him in the manger by sight alone. You must put your eyes where your ears are. The angel said to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Those words, unto you, means that this Christ is born for you personally. This holy child is not born only for Bethlehemites, not just for Israelites, not just for others, but he is born for you. This holy child is your holiness before God. This child, who is the Lamb of God, is your forgiveness in the sight of God. This child, who is the judge of all the earth, is your confidence when you stand before him on the day of judgment. And when your last hour comes and death stares you in the face, this child is your confidence in that hour as well because he is the resurrection and the life and he's born for you personally. Your eyes may dispute all this. Your eyes and your reason may tell you that you're separated from Christ's birth by continents geographically and by millennia chronologically. But here, the word of the angel, hear that this child is born for you. Gaze upon him with your ears. Behold him through the words spoken to you. My friends, in spiritual matters, you can see only what God tells you. Put your eyes where your ears are, and then you will see this child correctly. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, amen.